What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? So, um, I think we've hit the week where there's, like, very little to talk about. Um, there's probably the most about baseball that we can talk about, so I'm going to get into that first, and then we'll get into some free agent updates and some NBA stuff. Um, but first, a little Sport Universe update. There's three new podcasts that are joining the network, I guess. Um, the name's DK Sports, which is about Philly sports. Um, you can find that on Spotify and I believe all other podcasting platforms. Um, sports in the Big Apple, which is all about New York sports, that's on Spotify. And Sports Outside the Box, which is on all sports, similar to this podcast, um, I'm pretty sure is on all podcasting platforms as well. Um, but let me get into some baseball stuff. So earlier this week, uh, news came out that Noah Syndergaard is going to be out for the season. Um, no one really knows how long the season's going to be, but definitely a big blow for the Mets. Um, the Yankees had went through their big blows, and this is probably the Mets' first big injury. Um, big, their most important injury that's going to affect them this season. Um, I think, at least how I view it, and I talked about this on one of the reacts, is that this was the season where, similar to like what I talked about with Sam Darnold last year, uh, last podcast, this is the season where I was going to decide if Noah Syndergaard's actually going to be that elite player that everyone discusses that he could be, or if he's just going to be an average to good uh, pitcher for the Mets. And um, now that's not going to happen. Um, I'm not going to go too far into it because I did talk about it a lot, but the one upside from this is that when the Mets do have to pay him or try to pay him, and I think it's not this. I think it's next off season, so it'll probably come be coming off like half a season of baseball. They won't have to pay him as much, which could help them be able to sign everyone they want to be able to sign. That's really the only light at the end of the tunnel I can see with that situation. It is upsetting because if the Mets, the Mets this season, looking at it, I think their offense is what's going to carry them more than their pitching, which is the opposite of which is the opposite to what it's been in the past. And if they could have had their pitching and their offense, they would have been, that would have been really nice. I still do think they have talent on their pitching side, um, but obviously not as much. Um, the next big thing, which is just more for all of baseball. So MLB uh, and the players and, you know, whatever, came into an agreement about what they're going to do about when they're going to come back. Um, so basically there's three conditions that have to be met for them to officially start baseball again. The first is, I'm just going to read straight what this article said. There are no bans on mass gatherings that would limit the ability to play in front of fans. Um, the commissioner does have the right to use neutral sites, which I'll we'll get into later. Um, the second thing, there are no travel restrictions that between the United States and Canada, which makes sense with the Blue Jays being in, having to play teams in the United States. Um, medical experts determine that there are no health risks for, play, health risks for players, staff, and fans. Um, and so there's some repercussions that come from that. Obviously those are pretty, um, lengthy guidelines that they have to go through, which could lead to the 2020 season, maybe never happening, which I don't think is going to be the case, but there's a lot of like the metal experts, med medical experts determining that there's going to be no health risks for anyone. That's going to take a while for that to happen, I think. And we don't know when that's going to be, when it's going to be safe again. Um, so some repercussions, players like Mookie Betts, who just got traded to the Dodgers and have one year left on their contract may end up not playing for the Dodgers, which could be bad for what the Dodgers had to trade, which 
is another point uh, that we discussed already. It's not a lot, but Mookie Betts never playing for the Dodgers could be a bad thing, obviously. Um, the playing in the neutral sites is an interesting idea because that would that's the whole idea if it gets to the point where fans can't come back for a while that teams that uh, what's the guy's name? Manfred, Rob Manfred will be able to set up like uh, stadiums or places where teams can play and it's like a neutral site so it's not home or away it's just they're coming together to play baseball and can start the season earlier than um, earlier so fans wouldn't be there. Nick, any comments on that? Yes, I do. So, just starting off, you know, going back to what you said about Noah Syndergaard, uh, two things. I think number one is that, yeah, I do see – well, number one, if you're going to lose Noah Syndergaard for a season, this probably would be the season to do it. Um, yeah, that's how Chris Sale and the shorter. Red Sox went about it, too. Yeah. Uh, number two, I definitely see the point in terms of having to pay him less. It is a positive. Uh, number three, which is – I guess it's not a question for you. It's a question in general. Why, you know, between, like, Severino, Chris Sale, and Noah Syndergaard, right, you know, roughly all of them within a month before the start of the preseason and, and uh, preseason, uh, yeah, so, spring spring tryouts and training, training et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, why why are we determining now that we should get surgery? Is it, where the, where the, why wasn't this addressed a lot earlier, mm-hmm. you know, post-fall? Because obviously the Mets didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um you know, why didn't Noah Syndergaard have that looked at then? Maybe he did, and the doctors kept pushing off the surgery to see if it would get better. Because mm-hmm. a, a thing like a Tommy John surgery or any of these pitchers, the, these injuries aren't acute, meaning they don't just have, you know, they throw a pitch and they throw out their arm in one pitch. Mm. A majority of the time, a majority of the time you're going to see, you know, it hurts. Okay, I'm going to keep pushing it off. It hurts more and more and more, and it gets to the point where it's, this isn't getting any better, um, better. You know, they're going to obviously probably when it does start to hurt, they're going to go see a doctor. Mm. Some players are probably tougher and won't go see the doctor. It's better if they do right away. Um, but it eventually gets to the point where the do- the doctors determine, OK, uh, this isn't going to be something you could fix on your own. This is going to require surgery. My question is, and you know, it may be it may be as simple as the doctors recommended this, but it just seems odd to me that they pushed it off for so long. Yeah. Um, as if, you know, he, he should have been. He should have rested it maybe for the end of October and November, and then he started sort of started pitching again. Does it still hurt? I took a month's rest. Does it still hurt? Mm. You know, I just feel like he could have moved quicker on this to see could he get surgery earlier and then be ready, be ready. You know, towards late season. Yeah, that may that might be a possibility. So I, I you know, we don't have the answers to that, but I, it's a curiosity that I have. I'm sure you know. Now that I brought it up, you may have, or any Mets Weber's fan might have. Yeah. Um, um, I guess, so the Severino situation might be a little different because that was before the whole coronavirus thing and season mm-hmm. was going to go on as planned. And with Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, it was probably, I'm not sure when the Noah Syndergaard injury actually like took place when it started hurting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, it wasn't. it's not an acute thing. Um, but, I mean, it just goes back to the point that we don't know when the season's going to start and this is kind of like the time to get those surgeries done because it's going to have less impact on your team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing. If it did, if it, it would be, would be, which would be really interesting if it did start hurting until post after the season when he was maybe training in the winter, mm-hmm. which should be interesting. Yeah. Um. You know what? What was he doing differently that it started to hurt, or is it just wear and tear over the years? Who knows? Uh, you know, a lot of questions that I have curiosities about in terms of like, 
especially like pitchers, you know, it always seems to me like the, these injuries, especially for pitchers, happen right before the season starts, mm. and that's when they, and that's when they announce the surgeries. Why are we not trying to get the surgeries earlier towards the winter months? Yeah, Is there true. a reason? You know, who knows? <laughs> um, going off of that, uh, commenting on on the MLB's uh, proposed guidelines, I think they're all pretty good. Um, I, I think, obviously, player and safety and health in terms of commissioners, coaches, etc., fans, it, it's all priority number one there. And it should be. Um, this is a pretty serious issue. Uh, in terms of determining when there's going to be less health risks, um, I think I do have some good news later on that when I give a little bit of update uh, about the coronavirus. Uh, Dr. Fauci's been doing uh, – again, if you guys don't know who Dr. Fauci is, um, he's, he's always on the TV with Trump. He's the really old guy that has all the answers. Um <laughs> In terms of his official title, I always forget. Uh, Dr. Fauci is... I can't, I can't think of his, um, his title right now. And I'm, why am I blanking out? Um, he, he's the head of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases. There we go. I don't know how I can think of that, but he, he always has the answers. So I'll get to that after. Um, but yeah, I think the guidelines for the MLB are pretty good right now. I think it's a safe way to go. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. Um, it will be interesting when they decide that everything's good to go. And I can't wait till that happens. Um, but do you want to do your football update? Um, sure. So, looking at uh, so looking at NFL, obviously not that much news. Um, but more importantly, uh, there is a little bit of news to go off of, which is nice to have anything as of right now. Uh, so ultimately, it's, it's more free agent news. Um, so sorry, my family comes in and out. You know, we're all at home now. Oh my god, what a mess! <laughs> all right, so more free agent news. Um, since the last one, I can't remember where we left off. Um, I think it was the Redskins acquiring Kyle Allen was the last time that we had NFL news. Uh, so going forward through the NFL news. Uh, the Rams unveiled a new logo, which is like an L.A., a uh, little swirl on the A, which looks like a Rams horn, which is kind of interesting. Not really too big of a fan of it. I'm sure you guys can look it up. It's hard to describe beyond that. Um, the Patriots released longtime kicker, uh, Stefan Gutowski. He missed 12 games in the past season, in, in the last, in this season. Um, yeah, he's been pretty good for his four or five seasons with the team, but, uh, you know, he, he's getting older now, and the Patriots are one of those teams that is very quick. You know, he's 36. Patriots are often very quick to get rid of a guy before he, he declines, and they're, they're really smart about not paying guys that are on the decline. So getting rid of him was, I would say, not exactly an expected move, but you know, knowing the Patriots, it's not unprecedented and not a surprise. Um, Travis Frederick retired, longtime center for the Cowboys now. Um, you know, He's had a, a Goulian Barr syndrome, which essentially is giving him a lot of nerve damage, nerve damage and uh, you know, he, he's going to have to end his career due to health reasons, you know, you know, worst case scenario, he could be, he could become paralyzed, and it's obviously not worth the risk at all for him to go ahead and do that. Um, really talented center. I'm sad to see him go, even though I'm a Giants fan. Uh, congratulations to Travis Frederick on a great career, and it's sad to see him go. Um, I'm hoping that everything works out with his uh, illness. Uh, furthermore, Panthers released Cam Newton. Cam Newton now is now on a headhunt. He's going to find a team, um, and he's going to go headhunt the Panthers. He, he's got something to prove uh, this over this next year. He's already in the work weight room. Uh, he's posting on Instagram how upset he is that they released him. So that's kind of interesting. 
Um, you know, I'd rather him work in silence. I wouldn't really want to put that on Instagram because then whatever team's going to sign him, he was like, oh, he's bringing that to the locker room before he even step into the locker room. Mm. Um, the Panthers signed Robbie Anderson, who was pretty good for the Jets. Um, he went undrafted when they when they took him in 2016, and he's been pretty good for them. Um, he totaled uh, almost 800 yards and five touchdowns in 2019, which is pretty decent. So it was a good pickup for the Panthers and should be a nice target for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the Jets, in in return, signed Brashad Perryman, who's a blazing fast receiver. Has not really panned out to the player that they thought he hoped he would be because, again, he is, he's so fast. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL, um, and he, he's a solid route runner, too. Um, so hopefully the Jets can, can help revitalize his career. He's, obviously, he's never panned out to how they wanted him to be. Um, the Buccaneers re-signed the Domicon Sue, who's 33 now. So he's getting kind of old, but he's still decent in production. Um, you know, he, he has a, he's, he's never missed a game uh, due to injury in, in his 10th season in the NFL, so that's pretty big. Um, he's definitely a reliant, a reliable player for the Buccaneers, so it's a good pickup for them. Uh, the Bengals signed Von Bell, who is 25 now. Uh, you know, he, he showed some promise at the beginning of his career, then he kind of fell off. Um, hopefully he can revitalize his career with the Bengals. And that, that Bengals uh, safety uh, safety set is pretty nice. Now, they got Jesse Bates III out of Wake Forest and Sean Williams, um, and now they got Von Bell. Uh, so so that's that's pretty solid uh, safety core right there. Colt signed Xavier Rhodes, who, again, got released by the Vikings. Uh, he's 29 now. He was very good in 2015, if not the best quarterback that year. And he's, all, he's fallen off in, in a couple of years, but he's still not terrible, so... That's a good pickup for the Colts. Um, the Rams re-signed Michael Brockers, which if you guys don't remember, pretty interesting story right here. Uh, the Ravens had signed him in last week's, uh, for I think it was three or 30 million in last week's podcast. The Ravens had picked him up to really uh, beef up their, their interior D-line. However, as Michael Brockers went to go uh, get his physical, the, the doctors for the Rams said that, or the Ravens rather, said that Brockers had an ankle injury and it was significant. Uh, obviously, the details aren't exactly released, but uh, so the Ravens, in return, uh, said, "You know what? You have this injury. We, we don't want to sign anybody with an injury that's this significant. Yeah, obviously, we don't know the details, um, so we're not going to sign you." And the Rams went ahead and picked him back up for a three-year, uh, thirty-one and a half million dollar contract. He's pretty solid, and a lot of the Rams players were excited to get him back. So I think it's a good signing for the Rams. Um, kind of sucks for the the Ravens, but they did go ahead and sign somebody else, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, the Cowboys signed Greg Zerline, who's been an excellent kicker for the Rams over the past couple of years. Um, should be solid for the Cowboys. Not much to say there. Uh, you know, uh, so look, he took a step back this last season, but he's still not bad. Um, Ravens, as I said, they got a replacement for him, which I think is a pretty solid replacement. They want to sign Derek Wolf, who's a pretty old veteran for the Broncos. Um, you know, he, ever since 2012, he's been pretty solid. Um, he's been. He, and he was, he was a member of the Broncos in 2015. Um, they signed him for a one-year, $6 million contract. So, obviously, compared to three years, $30 million, if they were going to sign Brock or Shore, he's a lot big. He's a lot better in terms of, of salary for the Ravens, and they could go sign somebody else um, as a result of it. So, I don't think it's a terrible move for them. It, you know, you might sign you lose some there. Uh, and then, finally, the Redskins wind up signing Ronald Darby, who was a member of the Eagles last year. Um, he struggled to stay healthy. However, he's, he's been a solid starting cornerback in the NFL. Um, pretty good pickup for the Redskins. You know, he's not going to need anything spectacular, but he will be solid for them. Um, so that breaks down all the news in terms of the NFL. Uh, all I got to say is that I'm liking the Buccaneers right now. Um, they picked up Brady. They re-signed Adama Kansu. 
They got Mike Evans, Moster. You know, they have a pretty good core they're putting together there. Uh, in my fantasy league, I, I wound up making a trade. Was it last night? I wound up trading uh, Alvin Kamara for Mike Evans and, and Mostert. Um, so I'm, I'm banking on the Buccaneers being decent. Uh, I'm also picking up their defense, so I'm just banking, banking out on the fact that the Buccaneers were, were a mid-tier team with Jameis Winston's 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I think they'll be a lot better with a Tom Brady who's more likely to throw you know 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, you know, somewhere along those lines. Uh, I think their mid-tier defense is going to go up. I think their offense is going to benefit a lot from less turnovers. It's going to be big for them, I think. All right. A little hint going into fantasy season. All right. <clears throat> um, so I guess I'll get into some NBA stuff. Not a lot to discuss, but some stuff. So obviously it's going to be coronavirus-related. So um, all the Jazz players and coaches and anyone on the draft related to the Jazz have been cleared um, of the coronavirus. Obviously – that was where it all started with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. But they're all clear now. Um, Doris Burke, earlier this week, who's an analyst slash reporter for ESPN, um, was diagnosed with the coronavirus. Um, but now she's showing no symptoms, so obviously she's getting better. Um, now related to New York sports, James Dolan was diagnosed with the coronavirus. I think it was like last night it came out. Um, but he interesting little thing he had no symptoms I don't think of it and got tested and that kind of I'm not that familiar with it but it kind of relates back to the fact of like why are these rich people getting the tests earlier than people that actually need it and obviously there's a whole thing with the Nets um players like everyone getting tested and how that was a little bit of an issue I don't want to get too far into it because I'm not I don't know that much behind it so that's where I'll leave it um, maybe Nick knows, but I'm going to finish this up. So the last thing, Stefan Marbury, who used to play for the Knicks and um, basically revitalized his career in China, um, is trying to donate or deliver 10 million um, N95 masks, which are the masks that people can use to possibly protect them from the coronavirus to New York City um, from China. And I think he's like, trying to make some deal with the people that make those masks in China to make it cheaper. So I think you can donate them. I'm not really sure exactly, but definitely a cool move by Stefan Marbury. He didn't have the greatest career with the Knicks and, um, but he's, he was born in Brooklyn and was raised there. So he's trying to help, um, the place where he came from. I don't know. Do you know anything about the whole rich getting the access to the test? Uh, so absolutely. Uh, so ultimately, it's a fact of you know, as as in America, we are a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. Everything is money based. It's not communist or socialism, where the federal government controls the means of production. It's all about up to private companies, and as private companies function, they're all about the dollar sign, right? So these these rich people can yeah. pay more money to get the the limited amount of tests that are available. Uh, if the rich people can pay more to get it, they're doing it. Mm. Um, ultimately, obviously, it's it's not fair. Uh, I think that healthcare is one of those issues. You know, from a political standpoint, I don't think politics should have any any sort of uh, influence on the medical the healthcare system. The healthcare system is such it's the most complex thing in the world, honestly, because you you have you know goods like like uh, tests. You know, are they necessities, or, or can you put a price tag on them? Um, you know, usually private companies do function better in terms of everyday care, in terms of, you know, whether you're getting, like, checkups, whatever it is. 
Um, usually private companies have shown to perform better in terms of that type of care or getting elective surgeries. However, in terms of, you know, getting people, you know, mass checkups and pandemics, it seems that we're a nationalized system of healthcare. It's sort of like a Canada has performed better in those instances. Obviously, I'm not an expert. And I think anybody who claims to be a total expert on healthcare has some misinformation somewhere. Again, it's just a comp, it's such a complex system, but obviously keep it simple. It's because they had, it is because they have more money. They're able to get the, the limited number of test kits available. Hmm. And they obviously probably do have connections somewhere to those companies that are producing them. Yeah, so I guess it more la- it lands more on the individuals that are asking for the tests. So, like, because they have more money, they can get it. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily to that, uh, so, sorry to hear Joris Burke and James Dolan have the coronavirus. I just like both of them very much. So <laughs> I, I can't say I'm, I'm happy that they're sick, but I can't say I'm too upset. <laughs> Okay. See, Doris Burke, she's so anti-Rockets every time I watch her. She's like, every time the Rockets win, she's like, oh, it's just luck. Or like, James Harden travels. I'm just like, shut up half the time. And then James Dolan, obviously, no one likes James Dolan at this point. Um, I, all I saw on my Knicks fan pages were people rejoicing that he got yeah. sick. And all the comments where I hope he dies, like, this is it, boys. This is our chance. It's just, it's incredible how much hatred's towards him. <laughs> um, yeah, Obviously, both of them are going to recover, but it's just, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's a little much. Um, it is a little much. <laughs> so I guess that's it for the NBA. You have no college stuff to report? Yeah, so college stuff, obviously, as I've been repeating. College football, uh, right now the draft is set to happen in April 22nd. Um, do I think it's going to? I assume they're going to push it back probably a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to be necessary, honestly. I, I personally think, which I'll get to in a second, that I think April 20th is a good time that we could start returning to uh, normal life, and obviously I'm not an expert, but I'll get to why I think that in a minute. And then obviously for college basketball, uh, not much going on. They've been po- they've been playing a lot of uh, re- retro games on on the TV. If you if you guys want to go watch them on CBS, they, they, I know they had Georgetown versus Villanova 1985 national championship on earlier. Uh, incredible to watch, honestly. Uh, watching that 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 sort of 1985 era basketball versus today. Uh, I think there was a three-point line. It was kind of hard to see because, you know, obviously, the, the screen was so blurry because it was recorded in 1985. Um, either way, they were not shooting threes. They were doing everything that had to hit layups, uh, and that was kind of the game back then. There was no shot clock. Um, so it was literally half the game was just people dribbling around the, the basket trying to get as good of a layup as possible. Um, it was pretty interesting to watch. And I, got, I got to saw Patrick Ewing in college. It was pretty cool. Um, pretty Pretty dominant back then. Yeah. Um, I think he definitely could compete in the in the NBA today, even though he was inside center. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, do you have any comments, Brian? Or should um, I move on to the coronavirus update? Related, but I know, like, uh, basically, like every league is trying to show like old games and stuff. So it's kind of fun to mm-hmm. watch those and reminisce when sports was around. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'm doing uh, personally is I, I obviously I collect a lot of sports memorabilia, so mm-hmm. I've been doing that. I uh I bought a box. If you guys are interested in like sports memorabilia, like card selling and trading, I, I do I like to do that too. I dabble in a little bit of everything, honestly. And that's one of the things I've been doing to keep my uh, time up. I actually found a bunch of rookie cards that I didn't even know I had. I have a rookie Deshaun Watson card. Oh wow! Which which when I pulled it what was it was it 2015 or 2017? The pack that I pulled it out of, I'm like, oh, this is worthless. Like, what do I need a rookie card for? But now that I know he's he's going to be this perennial quarterback that's most likely going to win MVP at some point, this card's worth having. So it's pretty cool to find that. Um, other than that, uh, our controversial topic, which isn't so controversial anymore, I feel like at this point, is the coronavirus and updating uh, situation. 
So partially where I would like to start talking about this, as I think as America as always is about every subject, we are too polarized about the coronavirus right now. All I see is either people, oh, it's actually nothing, you know, generally younger people going out and partying, doing X, Y, and Z, not giving a single damn about what's happening. Um, and then you have, I think, the opposite side, which is generally, I would say, older people. Uh, obviously, children don't really make up their own decisions right now. So we're the more of the j- j- older population. By older population, I mean 35, 40 and up. Mm. Um, I kind of see them going way too far, you know, buying out everything in the store between masks, gloves, uh, hand sanitizer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, ultimately, I want to bring forth the fact that we need to be somewhere in the middle. Um, ultimately, this is not the end of the world. Um, you know, we have to. You need to be reasonable about how, the cautions you follow. And again, as I've been saying over and over again, follow what your local healthcare professionals and your CD and the CDC is telling you. As well as if, if you're looking for a voice or a face to look at, listen to, uh, go listen to Doctor Fauci. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he, he's the guy you really want to listen to. He's the voice of reason in all this. He's had years upon years upon years of expertise in, in infectious diseases. Uh, he knows so much about it. Um, you know, he, even when he's on TV, he gives hints at what he believes is going to happen, which, you know, I, there's a 99% chance it does happen. But he doesn't want to – for that 1% chance and it doesn't, he can't say – he doesn't want to say on TV this is what's going to happen. Um, so he doesn't. But again, if you're looking for a face to follow, look to Dr. Fauci. Uh, he's always in the, the old, older gentleman on the side of Trump. Uh you know, if you're looking for the press conferences, he's the guy you really want to listen to. I don't think Donald Trump's the best person to listen to as of right now. Um, you know, I, you know, even though I am personally somewhat of a Donald Trump fan, you know, listen to the doctors and not your politicians right now. Um, doctors should be the number one people you listen to. So, in terms of what's happening with the coronavirus and the projection it's taking, uh, there's a couple new news about it for, for today. Uh, number one, the World the World Health Organization determined that uh, the coronavirus is not airborne. Uh, essentially, you know, like the flu and the cold are often airborne, depending on the cold, the cold virus that you do have. They're airborne, meaning that if somebody breathes on you, uh, the droplets in, in, in your breath is enough to transfer the disease. This this is going to be droplet-based. Essentially, they need to cough, sneeze, get a, 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 a solid amount of liquid onto a, a surface or your hands that you go and place into your nose. It's all about getting into your mucous membranes. So if it's on a surface, or if they cough directly on you, it needs to get into your mucous membranes it needs to be heavier droplets um so these are these are very important things to know uh, essentially it's not as infectious because of this which is a good thing uh number two beyond that uh so so far the statistics in the u.s are showing that this disease does affect the younger population more than originally determined uh ultimately which i think this has become more and more of a a, a known thing as we go forward uh china lied about their the disease uh from the start they obviously uh, China, if you guys don't know, is basically an oligarchy where you have like you have a, you, you have a fa- fake emperor, but you also have a group of people with a with a president at the top, with a group of like higher up officials that kind of determine which way the country goes. And their number one goal throughout this entire situation, which is pretty has been pretty obvious to me, but obviously the media doesn't want to call it out until it's more factual, which I understand. But it, it, it's becoming more and more obvious that China said, you know what, we're going to try and mask this this disease up as much as possible because, number one, if it does spread, we don't want to be responsible. And number two, we want to make our country look as best as possible, which, it, you know, those, uh, which is technically reasonable things, but at the same time, it, it, it's not okay. You, you, ha- you have to be responsible for what you do. Uh, China has now been responsible for, I think, the three past world pandemics that the world has seen. Um, so they need to do a better job in terms of a government. Obviously, I 
I have Chinese friends in China. Chi- Chinese people are resilient people. They're good people. They're hardworking, just like any other people across the world. It's just the Chinese government that's really to blame here. So, you know, when people, I see a lot of things in the media where people are like, oh, this is China's fault. Well, I want to make sure and make it very clear that it's the Chinese government that's really the fault behind this and not China itself. Yeah. Um, because we had doctors in China and it seems like, you know, China saying, okay, we have a problem here. We need to take care of it. And the Chinese government decided, okay, jail those people. Don't let them talk about it. Uh, it's part of the reason that the pandemic happened. Uh, so, again, blame the Chinese government, not the Chinese people. Uh, beyond that, uh, Dr. Fauci gave an update in terms of the statistics behind, like, how many people do we expect to have the disease? How many deaths are we going to have? Um, so, Dr. Fauci, uh, in his, it was today he, he announced it. Um, the most accurate information that he thinks and the most accurate thing that's going to happen is that he believes somewhere between one to 10 million people in the U.S. are going to get the disease. Uh, but more importantly, he thinks that it's going to be roughly between 100,000 and 200,000 people that will die from the disease, um, which obviously is a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's very upsetting. We're living in a very unprecedented and scary time. Uh, it's not it's not fun at all. But at the same time, again, I want you to, to not panic and look this look at this perspectively. Uh, in terms of our flu seasons, we usually have on the higher side between fifty to 75,000 deaths in America during a flu season. Um, so, again, compare that to the hundred to 200,000 coronavirus deaths, COVID-19 deaths. It's really not that much more. Um, it's going to be a little bit worse than, than the flu season. But at the same time, as I like to say again, the world's not ending, uh, so don't panic. Uh, number three. Uh, so what Dr. Fauci said, which he also believes is most likely going to happen, is that because the disease is so far spread, is that he believes it's going to be more like a seasonal disease rather than just a one-time happening like SARS was. Mm. Uh, so what that means is that when we come back to next fall, when we get to October, November, December, uh, we should see a resurfacing of COVID-19. Um, and it, you know, it, sh- it should act like a flu, most likely, going forward. Positive note about that is that this time around, you know, when we the numbers are going to decrease by Dr. Fauci's uh, estimates, right? And when we get into April, which I said April twentieth, we get we're going to get. I believe through what Dr. Fauci is telling us is that when we get to late April, like April twentieth beyond, we should see a nice. We should start to see a decrease, especially if we keep up the the quarantining and social distancing that we're doing. We should start to see a decrease in the number of new cases, and we should see the disease start to taper off going into the summer months. Um, so that, that was a good sign. Um, so during that time when we have lower numbers of it, it's going to be the best time for us to go out, get the supplies we need, you know, make sure there's ample supply of masks, hand sanitizer, et cetera, gloves, uh, for our healthcare professionals, make sure we have the ICU beds ready for for the next time around. But most, most importantly, what we're going to do and spend all of our summer doing is we're going to spend our time and when I, or I mean, health professionals, right. And, and scientists, they're going to find a vaccine or do their barrier vest to, to push through a vaccine for this disease, as well as antiviral tr- treatments. And those antiviral treatments are a lot quicker. And we'll, I would say it's most likely we're going to have some sort of effective treatments uh, going into the summer for this disease. So, you know, we're, we're going to, to tackle this one step at a time. Obviously, when you're, when you're testing vaccines or antiviral treatments, everything needs to be tested correctly so it doesn't hurt humans. You know, randomized tests, you know, if it's a newer, if it's, it hasn't been through certain phases yet of testing, you need to test it on animals first. And these are necessities to make sure it's safe for humans. Um, and, and don't be fooled. The scientists are doing everything they can uh, to do to help people and to 
to go as fast as I can. Nobody's dragging their feet in terms of finding cures and treatments for this disease. Um, ultimately, beyond just obviously, you know, having passion about being a scientist, there's a great monetary value in finding a. If, if you can't trust the fact that they're doing it out of out of good nature and you know out of their love of science, there's a good monetary incentive behind it. Obviously, because when private companies this 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 lab created a vaccine. Well, every private company is going to want to pay for that, and everybody's going to want that vaccine. So there's a good monetary incentive behind it, too. So we're going to find treatments for it. Uh, do not panic. Um, so, again, very very positive things. Um, another thing which Dr. Fauci announced today is that if you do get the coronavirus, it is very, very, very likely that you will get immunity to it, meaning that um, it, you will not get it within the next couple of years. If you, you know, if it follows, like uh, Dr. Fauci said... You're going to have a good period of immunity uh, after you get it, uh, meaning that it's most likely up to a year, a couple of years later that you, you will not be able to get this disease again. So if you do get it and, and you beat it, uh, feel feel some reassurance knowing that you do have some sort of immunity to it. Obviously, that doesn't mean you should go out and lick doorknobs or anything like that. You should still practice good health uh, practices like washing your hands so you don't get sick from other diseases like the flu or the cold, which are even more common than the coronavirus is. So again, you should still be practicing, the, practicing you know, safe, safe and healthy habits. But um, more importantly is that you, you should feel some reassurance that you are somewhat immune to the uh, coronavirus. Um, that being said, uh, in terms of what you can be doing to keep yourself safe, again, as I say, I'll say it a million times over because people just don't seem to be hearing me. Follow what the CDC says. Go on their website at cdc.gov and look at their recommendations. Listen to Dr. Fauci. And if you have any questions, whether you're having symptoms or personal things that you may have uh, qualms about, please contact your doctor. Call your local healthcare physician and, and get information from them. Uh, there, there's a reason they go to school for this. There's a reason they have all the information that they do. Uh, they're there to help you, and you should definitely call them if you have any questions. Um, or if you need to contact me, I could probably I could help you lead lead you into the right place uh, where you can get real information from and i honestly i like to put put forward the fact that you know i me as a pre-med i'm a biology major uh, i have some knowledge of the, the science behind this but obviously have nowhere near all of it and i don't think anybody has all the answers but obviously me in particular i am nowhere near an expert i just like to repeat what i hear from experts and i think that's a good way to do it again listen to the experts um another thing which which my miss that I've been seeing that again. That you need to stop buying masks and hand sanitizer and gloves in bulk. They're they're minimally effective. Washing your hands is a lot more effective. And number two, which my my stepfather has been doing a ton, is taking a ton of vitamins. Uh, they're not effective. If you're getting your daily, if you the best ways to keep yourself from getting sick are obviously wash your hands, keep yourself clean, etc. But having a good diet, having a good exercise, and getting the right amount of sleep are very key important factors in keeping your immune system healthy. And you know, taking if you reach your if you so if you have all the amount of vitamin C that you need for the day, if you take 10 vitamin C pills and give yourself 1,000% of the daily value of vitamin C, all you're going to do with those extra vitamins is pee them out and put more strain on your on your body system. It, again, it's going to be a minimal strain, right? You're not going to feel really fatigued from it, but it's going to put some strain on your body that was unnecessary just because you took X amount of more vitamins than you needed on a daily value. Um, if, again, and I can't say don't take vitamins. Uh, if your doctor has, again, this is where you go see your doctor. Uh, often, when you take a blood test, your doctor will figure out whether or not you have deficiencies in certain vitamins, and they'll they'll most likely prescribe you a certain vitamin to take, and and it to help you out uh, reach the uh, efficient level of that vitamin. 
But if you're deficient in it, um, you know, you really, I would definitely uh, contact your doctor if you're going to take some sort of vitamin, especially if you're on different medications. Uh, definitely contact your doctor before taking supplements. I just think that's really important to get out there because a lot of I see a lot of people think there's some magic potion to keep yourself sick. Uh, ultimately, there's not. It's it's just like anything else in life. It's hard work that's going to get you success and success. And the hard work is going to come through sleep, eating right, and exercise, uh, and practicing you know healthy healthy and clean habits. Those, those are the key things that are going to keep you safe. Um, other than that, I I think I've pretty much covered it all. Brian, do you have any comments questions? Um, I guess, so you're saying that it's not, like, Dr. Fauci said it's not airborne? uh, I I don't think that was Dr. Fauci. I saw that, I forget, it was either Fox or somebody like that. They posted, they reposted it from the World Health Organization. Hmm. Okay. That's pretty big news, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it minimally affects on how we approach the virus. It's just, it's, um... It's good news that it's not as contagious as it could be airborne because airborne's a lot harder to stop. Yeah. Uh, if it's not airborne, masks are effective. Like I, I want to also point this out: masks, gloves, they are effective in stopping um, a, a non-airborne uh, disease. I, um, I I'm trying to see where, where does the wealth. I saw that on a post. I, I can't tell you if it's not true. Um, whether the health World Health Organization mm. uh, declared it wasn't airborne or not. Um, I feel like that is very important uh, to know. Did you look at? I saw you typing stuff where I was talking. No, I was, did you? Did you not find I was, it? I was looking at the L.A. Rams logo. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, yeah, it was nine hours ago they said it. Okay, so yeah, they say it's not airborne. So the key, the key factor when something's airborne and it's in it, it's it travels in such minuscule uh, drop air uh, water droplets such as breath. Masks are, are definitely penetrable by that, and they pretty much are ineffective at stopping something as, as small and something that travels in smallest part, particles as an airborne disease. Mm-hmm. However, when it's not airborne and it's in heavy droplets, masks are very effective. You know, they, or they're, they're not, I wouldn't say very effective, but they're, they're, they're effective. They stop the heavy droplets from getting to your, your mouth and your nose, and so do gloves and et cetera. However, in order for them to be effective, they have to be worn the right way and used in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, they're supposed to be effective for a while. You're not wasting them. It's not something where you put on gloves and masks for five minutes to go do something and take them off. Uh, the people that, that do wear masks, um, number one, are putting them on. Their hands are sterile. They're putting them on in a sterile environment in hospital settings, and they're not taking them off. They're, they're keeping them in place. Because you, once you put it on, you have to keep it in place in order for it to remain effective. Uh, they're not taking them off. They're, keep, they're taking, And when they take them off, they're taking them off in, ster- you know, in, in the proper locations. They're not spreading diseases. You know, they're very particular things to, to use masks, et cetera, to make them effective. And, and your average person on the street or at home is not going to use them in effective manners. And because of that, you know, there's no reason to waste them and buy them in bulk. And then because obviously we have such a shortage, as you said, with stuff in Marbury trying to buy them by uh, buy masks for New York City, because New York City is pretty much the epicenter for disease right now. I believe it's almost 60 percent of the new cases in the U.S. are coming out of the New York City. And it's a combination of people traveling in and out of New York City, as well as the intense population that does live there. Yeah. Um but obviously, there's, there's a depletion in amount of masks and, and uh, ICU beds and ventilators. If people are using them and they're not using them properly, there's no reason for them to even have them. Give them to the people that, that need them, and it's a necessity for them to have. Gotcha. All right. Um, I guess that's it for this week's podcast. How long was it? All right, 40 minutes. Pretty good. Um, so, Nick, any final thoughts? 
Um, no, not really. Again, just stay safe out there, guys. Um, if you have any, guys have any comments, questions, concerns, uh, please feel free to contact me on my Instagram at nick.horvath, on my Twitter at nickhorvath61, and you can contact me at my email at nickhorvath.com. Uh, please ask me questions if you guys have any about the coronavirus or sports, whatever it may be. I'm happy to answer. I've been getting into the sports cards lately, and that's kind of been my thing. So if you guys have any questions about those or you want to talk about them, I'm definitely open to that. Um, other than that, uh, guys, as I said, stay, stay, uh, safe. Uh, don't completely destroy your life over this. We will get through this. Uh, keep following the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the wealth organized wealth world health organizations and, and your local, uh, physicians. Uh, make sure you're getting information from trusted sources and just be safe, uh, be healthy and stay careful. Uh, signing out. See, uh, hand it over to Brian. Okay. Um, Yeah. Not much new for me. Um, one thing I did want to say, which I forgot to say in the beginning, me and my brother have been broadcasting Mets games um, through MLB The Show. Um, there's a new one tonight, so we have to do that. But it's up on the Sport Universe if you want to watch it. I don't know how long it's going to go on for because it, it takes a lengthy amount of time um, to actually do it. But for right now, we're doing it, so you can go check that out. Um, but other than that, uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. We'll see how much sports there will actually be at that point. Um, let us know what you thought of this, and you can DM us, I guess. Um, check out our videos on YouTube. Check out our new articles. There are new articles still coming out. Um, and check out the podcast that I talked about in the beginning. Um, if you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, any way you think you could help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.